Now, Palm Sunday is a bit of an oddity. It's always been to me. It's like, is Palm Sunday a part of Holy Week? Is Palm Sunday, like, does it launch Holy Week? But what, what is the significance behind Jesus riding in on that little donkey? What is, what is the whole deal about? I remember as a kid that uh, the church I grew up in, they always, uh, they always found a way to get palm fronds. Like I lived in Daytona Beach, so you know, we weren't hard to find, you know. And so uh, at church, they would down, we had this beautiful building. I mean, golly, it was, one of those, it was one of those churches that as a kid you look at and it's just like, wow, this is huge. But it didn't seat as many as in this year now. But it was so beautiful. I remember as a kid thinking, man, that's how a church is supposed to look. You know, I mean, it's just pretty. And I remember every Palm Sunday, they would take these palm fronds and they would line the, the aisles. And I can remember our pastor at the time, his name was Vernon Brown, and, and uh, he, he was one of those flamethrower preachers. I mean, he could, he could launch into a tirade. And if you were sitting on the front row, man, it's like you were in the splash zone. You know what I mean? I mean, he could get at it. And I remember him talking about those palm fronds now that they were pulled away from that tree, those palm fronds, they were going to dry up to nothing. And every year he made this point that this is exactly what happens on Palm Friday or Palm, Palm Sunday, that by Friday, everything went wrong. Like how in the world does Palm Sunday start with Jesus riding in to Hosanna, to palm fronds, to coats and cloaks being laid down, how does he go from that to give us Barabbas? How do you go from the king has come to crucify him? How did the swing happen from blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to give us Barabbas? How did it happen? I mean, I, I think we kind of cognitively get the thought, the thought that somewhere along the way, people changed their mind. That somewhere along the way, people said, okay, wait a minute, this... He's not the king we thought he'd be, so we're out of him, so we're going to go back to the other two prevailing ways of thought. You see, when we stop and try to figure out what is the question that we should contemplate today about Palm Sunday is the same question they had to ask themselves on the same day that Jesus rode in to Jerusalem. Now, I want to set the picture for you. Jerusalem is this walled-in city. And when you hear the term Jerusalem, what you really are hearing is the city within the walls. Now, the walls are still there today, and you will notice there are gates around the wall. We find a lot of things that happen in the story of Palm Sunday found in two separate parades, two processionals that happen on that same day that come into Palm Sunday and Jerusalem. The city is electrified by what's going on in the city. It's electrified by what's going on with religious leaders, the Roman government, and the expectation that Jesus is going to come in and rule as king. There's an expectation um, among the Jewish leaders that Jesus is going to come in and he's going to conquer the Romans who have owned the people of Israel for 80 plus years and he's going to take them out of bondage and he's going to lead in the same way that King David had led. What, what they missed in that though was that when they said, blessed is, <clears throat> blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, they missed the, the, the fact that 
the technical statement should have been, blessed is the Lord who comes. It, they couldn't get over the fact that, wait a minute, that was a prophet that Jesus rode in. He was the prophet that came in on the donkey. He was fulfilling a promise going all the way back just centuries and centuries before out of the promise and, 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 and the prophecy of Zechariah. They thought that Jesus would come in and he would be a reigning king. He would get rid of the mean, nasty Romans. And so it got completely funky in the city when Jesus rode in, not on a big white steed, but he rode in on a little baby donkey. He rode in on a tiny colt. And the leaders are like, Hosanna, he's coming. He's like the son of David. He's going to take over. He's going to rule. He's going to sit on this massive throne. He's going to unite all the tribes. He's going to kick everybody out. And we have got it made. And he, the son of David, he, the prophet, he's coming. They forgot that God was coming. But they saw the prophet coming. Look at Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And the story of Palm Sunday is shared in this text. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Now to get your geography straight, so if, if this is Jerusalem and the walls, you come out of the gate and you walk up a hill and you go up a hill about three football links, three football field links, and you have the Mount of Olives up here. Now, if you walk across the street, you walked on, you'd walk over to the Garden of Gethsemane. Are you with me? And so what happens in this geography is, is Jesus goes into this town, and when he, when he mentions a place like Bethphage, we're talking about tiny here. We're not talking about big. We're, we're talking about 100 or two people. And he walks in, and then Jesus sent two of them the disciples on ahead go into the village over there he said as soon as you enter it you'll see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it untie them and bring them to me and if anyone asks what you are doing just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them now remember what what Jesus just says Jesus says if anybody asks the Lord needs them Okay, now keep that in the back of your mind as the story goes on. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. You say, well, where did that happen? In the book of Zechariah, over in the Old Testament, in chapter 9. Zechariah is saying this is exactly what's going to happen. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, if you're wondering, what is, what is the big deal about palm fronds, and what is the deal about coats and cloaks that are in the road? Now, watch this. Later this week, on Thursday night, Jesus will have gathered his disciples in that upper room, and what do we know he did? We know he entered into a Passover meal with them, we know that, that he, he reflected that the bread was a picture of his broken body, that, that the wine was a picture of his shed blood, but he did something else. He washed the feet of his disciples. Do you remember that? And do you remember the disciples looking back and saying, but I'm not worthy. And Jesus said, of course you're not, but this is what I've come to do, 
right? You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? All right, watch. If you study why you would take the coat and the cloak and lay it on top of the coat, the colt, or you'd lay it in the ground to let him walk on, the same idea of washing feet is also prescribed in the Old Testament and New Testament that you would take a cloak and you would lay it in front of someone you admired and loved and you would let them walk upon it. It's like in the old days when chivalry still existed that a guy would take his coat off and lay it on a puddle so a young lady could walk across it. How many of you guys have done that in your lifetime? I get it. Okay, now watch this though. I, women are sitting here all, all over the room saying, step it up, big boy. So the picture of washing feet is, this is this picture of servanthood, right? The same thing is true when you take off your garment and you lay it down on the ground because it, it's servanthood. So in essence, the Jewish people were ready to accept Jesus. They were ready to accept him as king. But they weren't ready for what was about to happen, but he knew that. So when he rides in... It's a totally different feel. Look at the rest of the text. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him are shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now watch this. They still have not recognized who Jesus is. And, and if you're wondering, how could they not know this? How could they not know? Well, it's pretty simple if you think about it. No phones, no texting, no smartphones, nothing. News to go from the Mount of Olives to the center of the city could take weeks even though it's three football fields. So their perspective on who Jesus is is they hear after voice after voices, he is a prophet that's come out of Nazareth in Galilee, and he started as a, as a rabbi, but his teachings are so weird and they're odd. We want him to be the king. And did you hear in him the recognition that the son of David, we want him to rule like David did. We want him to conquer the Romans, and we want him to rule like David did. We want him to come in with brute force and make everything whole again with the Jewish people and in the city of Jerusalem. And yet they still saw him not as the Prince of Peace, not as the Savior of the world, not as the one who would shed his blood for the forgiveness of sin for all of the world. They saw him as he's going to sit on a throne with a scepter and, and he's going to have this crown and he's going to have this big honking cloak and we're going to put a brass breastplate on him and he's going to have boots up above his knee and he is going to kick it, man. But that doesn't sound like Jesus, does it? But in many ways, that's exactly what they saw. I think we still deal with this challenge today. Today is the day on which Jesus rides into that town. But did you know that on that same day, on the other side of Jerusalem, there was another parade? You see, Jesus came into Jerusalem on one side, riding on a little donkey on top of coats and cloaks and palm fronds. And he heard, blesses is he. He heard, Hosanna. And on the other side of the city, on the same day, Pilate, the Roman emperor, the governor, 
rides in on the big white steed. And he's got soldiers that are armed. And he's got the best of the best. He's got people there to protect him. He's got people to keep the uprising down from the Jewish people. And when he rides in, you can hear the drums. Boom, boom, boom. And it matched with the cadence. You could hear their boots as they marched. And you could almost know death and destruction came with them. They were a picture of everything in the world that Jesus was not. They were, they were about excess and they were about drunkenness. And they were, these folks were completely out of control with excess. And as they came in, remember, for more than 80 years, they had occupied and owned the city. And so the Jewish people, they're tired of it. They're sick of it. And they want Jesus to ride in, not on that little colt. They want him to ride in like Pilate did. But they want his sword to be bigger. They want his spear to pierce more. They want his colt to be huge. They want his disciples to be mean and nasty. But Jesus came in and he said, no, 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 no. That's not how we do things anymore. Now watch this. Have you ever thought in America today that there's only two choices on most things? I mean, seriously. I mean, how many of you guys watch uh, uh, any type, I don't care what station it is, how many of you guys watch any type of news on a regular basis? Come on, right here. Okay, so nobody under 30. Um, I can't watch it anymore. It drives me bat crazy. I mean, you think about it, you, you got one station who leans right, and they just beat the crud out of those folks. You can go over and watch another station, and they just beat the crud out of those folks. You know, you realize that eventually news is not going to matter anymore in America. It's just a commercial on one side or the other, right? And you pick, any, you pick anything. I mean, I, you pick gun control, right? You pick gun control. And I say, okay, how many of you think that, by the way, don't do this. I'm just saying if we did this. Holy cow, can you imagine? <laughs> bam, bam, I'll show you what I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't like that double tap. Bam, bam. Yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. So let me just say to you, if some weirdo comes in, though, we have guys in here that will take care of that, and I'm so grateful for them. But if, if you – it wasn't a commercial, all right? I can't get an amen out of you when I throw out some deep biblical truth. I throw in guns, and it's like, hoorah. Yeah. Yeah. What does your church think? I don't know, but we'll kill them. Yeah. Uh, I guess every pastor's got to be known for something. <laughs> now watch this. I totally lost my mind on that one. Um, pick gun control. Or maybe that was the wrong one. But for the most part, you're, you're all for it or you're not. Now, you may think here in the deep south, here in the buckle of the Bible Hill, right here in little Sugar Hill, Georgia, you might think there'd be nobody that would say, wait a minute, I think we ought to have control, but I'll promise you at least 40 or 50% of the room would stand up and say, yes, that's me. So yeah, go ahead, look at the people around you. You can spot them, can't you? And by the way, they can you. That little bulge you got right there, ain't love handles. Pick another one though. I mean, seriously, pick alcohol. Teetotalers, drink, no in-between. Pick anything in, in, I mean, pick anything in Washington. You know what we've got? Pick one side or the other. I mean, if your president is in office right now, everybody to his left stands and claps 81 times. They don't even know what he's saying. This crowd's going to sit down through every time. Flip presidents, do the same thing the other way around. 
You know why? We're stuck in this binary thought. There's this or just that. That's it. We got this or we got that. That's it. You know, I've discovered that with, uh, with how people see race and color. I find very few people who ride the fence. I find folks who have no tolerance for that, and I'm one of those. And then you have folks that, that would say, you know what, that's just the way it is in the South. And this over here, that's just stupid. But let me just park all that and say to you, we all have a binary thought process. I mean, our brains find it so easy to say it's this or that. It's that or this. And in America, we prove that true all day, every day. We pick this or that, that or this. And it was exactly that what... It was exactly that way in Jerusalem. What, what they saw before Jesus got on the scene was they saw it's the Roman way of excess and sin. Or you can go over here and you can have law and religion. It was, it was the way of the Pharisees and the Jewish Mosaic law. Or it was the way of Pilate and the Romans, which was a way of war. You got to pick in a binary role. You got, I, can pick, I can pick law where I get just beat to death and I can't do all those rules. And when I break those rules, man, it is vicious how those people come down on me. Or I can pick the way of war and join this. And the fact is, I'm never going to be accepted or received because I'm a Jew and Romans don't do that. But if you choose the Roman way, you go in here and you see no need for any faith life over here, most especially those people who run around busting you for laws. And then Jesus comes in. If you could picture and imagine this binary thought process going on in Jerusalem is it's this way or it's that way. And Jesus comes in with a wedge and says, but I'm going to give you a better way. Now that would have been worth a clap and an amen. And if I have to keep reminding you to do this, we are going to be here forever. Jesus comes in and he drives this wedge between these two ways, religion or war, excess or law. And he comes along and says, but no, stop it. I didn't come to go to war. I came to be the prince of peace. I did not come to keep your law. I came to fulfill your law. I didn't come so that I could reign on a throne. I came so that I could die for people. I didn't come so that we could have the Passover. I came so that we could have communion. And Jesus wrote in and said, I've got a better way. It ain't hard, is it? Y'all gonna make me preach. Zechariah said in chapter 9, verse 5, say to the daughter of Zion, and you're saying, who the heck is that? Okay, the Jewish people. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wait a minute. When was that written? Centuries before. But if you read verse 8, all the way through verse 10, you know what you would find? You'd read how he's going to reign. And it says things in that text like he's going to take out the marauding forces. It says things in there that says there'll never be another oppressor because he's going to overrun them. And this is how the Jewish people are thinking. Their prophet back hundreds of years ago said he's going to ride in like this. And there he is. And it says that he's going he's to be like a marauding force. That he's never going to allow us to be 
overcome again. He's never going to let us be oppressed again. But then he goes on, and in that same passage, he says, O daughter of Zion, shout, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. Now listen to what happens. And he will proclaim peace to the nations, and his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Now you can imagine, if you've only known two ways to think, you're thinking, man, he's coming in, and him and the Pharisees are like this. He's going to come in and we're going to have laws, all 600 plus of them. And we're going to implement that. And we're going to bust those Romans and we're going to run them out of town. And he's going to wear super cool stuff. And we are going to reign. And we're going to be a people that's going to get some vengeance. And we are taken over. But they didn't read the part that he was going to come in peace. They didn't, they didn't read the part that he would come and offer salvation. They didn't read the part because they thought Pilate was leading centurions. Surely Jesus, the coming king, he would bring even a greater force. But there he came embodying peace and tranquility. You see, the folks that watched those processions that day, they had to make a choice. They had to pick. It was, I'm going to be a part of law and rule and religion, or I'm going to be a part of excess and sinful waste and war. They only had two choices until Jesus rides into town. And you see, then as the week goes on, as Jesus says, he he turns the tables over. And he talks about the sinful practice that the law has imploded inside the church. As he goes to that and he says, that's not the way of the Father. They start to realize, wait a minute, this is not what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for a God who would say, I forgive. We signed up for a God that would kick it and take care of business. But Jesus came, and this is the biggest part they missed. He came not as the son of David and not as a ruler. He came as God's son. Now watch this. God's son, fully man, fully God. They had no idea. You see, as the week went on, they began to understand that this king is not part of my option. How how in the world could you introduce that? That's so different. Like when Jesus says, take my way, it's light, it's easy, you can do this. This is why when we say, choose Jesus, put him in the right, put him in the right priority of your life. His way is easy. His way is light because it's not built around religion. It's not built around law. It's not built around force. It's not built around war. It is built around this one thing and only this one thing because this Palm Sunday, Jesus came and said, I come to bring you peace, the kind of peace you cannot have apart from me, and I've come to give you salvation in your soul, in your heart, because I'm coming in this week. I'm going to settle all of these debts I'm going to take care of every sin you have committed, every sin you are committing, and I'm going to take care of every sin you will commit. And those of you who understood it followed him and wept and said, why? And then as the week got on, people wondered, well, if you're that powerful, if you really are God, if you really are his son, where are all your armies? And Jesus is saying, you can't imagine what the kingdom looks like, but I have to do this. Why? So that you can be forgiven. Forgiven of what? Your selfishness and your sin. 
And you say, what is the choice then, Chuck? Well, here's the choice. Coming down one aisle in this church, you can choose to get with a crowd. You can choose to get with a power. You can choose to get with the Romans. You can choose excess. And you can say, you know what? I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because that's my way. Or coming down the other aisle is Jesus that says, I offer you my broken body, my shed blood, and I offer you forgiveness. Of what? Every sin you've ever done, every sin you are doing, and every sin that you will do. And I offer you heaven. You see, that's not, that's not one of the choices, though. Sure it is. You see, I, I, I give those folks a bit of a pass because can you imagine how confusing this was? I was like, wait a minute. That's not what I heard you were going to be. By the way, there are people here right now. There are people watching online right now. Some part of the nation, some part of the world. Somebody's, somebody's saying, even in this room, but is that, is that way open for me? I mean, can, can I have a better way? And Jesus makes this promise. He says, you know, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, yes, you can freely have my way, a far better way. And if you're like me, man, I needed that and I wanted that. Listen, friend, choose well today. You're going to choose the Jesus way or you're going to choose your own way. And you might be here right now and the market's good and the economy's good and you're making a boatload of money and you're thinking, man, I'm doing fine. How were you doing in 2008? Because, you know, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everything has its time and purpose. I want to tell you, friend, take the Jesus way. You see, that's the way that he'll never leave you. He'll he'll never walk away from you. And you don't have to count on the war machine. You get to count on the love machine. Let's pray. You know, friend, uh, Palm Sunday is a big deal. It's not... uh, doesn't get all the accolades that Easter does or Good Friday does. But part of the prophecy that the Old Testament makes about Jesus is that that's exactly how he would ride into town. And he rode into town so that you could be a part of his kingdom. And it is as simple as calling on the name of the Lord. I know that uh, churches preach that there's all kind of magic prayers you can have, but you know, the New Testament says, call on the name of the Lord. And you're saying, well, Chuck, I just need some help. How do you call on the name of the Lord? What if you tried these, these words? Jesus, thanks that you wrote in for me. Would you forgive me? Thanks for loving me. Would you come live inside of me? Do what you, only you can do and change me from the inside out. God, thank you that I, I don't have to get all my junk fixed and then come to you. That while we were yet just in the middle of our sin and selfishness, you came and accepted us. Lord, like the day you rode in on the colt, I believe you've ridden into this room today. And you're waiting to see who would say, blessed is the Lord 
not just blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, but blessed is the Lord that you would call him. Maybe today you want to say, God, I want to turn my life around. I want to live for you. I can't do it anymore. I'm tired of the fight. Maybe you've come from a faith system that said, man, you're, you, you, you got to you got to confess to a man or maybe you've got to maybe you've got to have this window in which you got to clean your junk up and maybe it came with a, a heap of guilt and Jesus says there's no condemnation I love you period I died for you period there's nothing you could do to make me not love you and you'd say I need that I don't need religion I don't need law I just need Jesus Friend, that's, that's what's calling on the name of the Lord sounds like. If that's the desire of your heart today, and you say, Chuck, I, that's what I need. I, I need the power of that resurrection like the people we prayed for earlier. I need that. Maybe today you just slip a hand up. Maybe I could pray for you and just say, yeah. Go ahead, just slip a hand up and say, Chuck, would you pray for me? Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah. And all over the place, yeah. Thank you. You can lower your hands. Jesus only knew, only you know everything going on in the heart and the soul of every hand that was raised. For those who said, Jesus, I want to claim you as my Savior, I want to claim you as my Lord, I want to encourage you, just shoot us a note and let us know. We would embarrass you for anything. We'd love to share some info with you about what that means. Maybe today you raise your hands. Man, I just need the power of the resurrection. I get my life under control. And just choose the right side of the parade. God, we are grateful. You are continually loving us, even when we're most unlovely. Draw us to the cross. Let us choose a better way. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's sing briefly before we go. Y'all join us.